0: Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I'm actually painting measuring
1: sticks? Nice. I'm Kevin, a.k.a. Chops, and I am painting gamma rays?
2: And this is Potter, and I don't have the plagues anymore, but I can't make high-pitched voices, so I won't go with the Ron burgundy theme here. Fair enough. That works. I was like, I want to do Guys, this, but I, I can't.
1: <laughs> it's been it's been two weeks since we've recorded. Not well I'm since sorry. you've recorded. I uh, I I had the pleasure of recording with uh, Craig Shipman of Third Floor Wars last week. Uh, so our listeners who maybe don't should check out third floor wars i will be on their hot takes episode for malifaux third edition uh when that releases and make sure we drop that in our feed as well Uh, it was a really good time i was on there with uh craig and also kyle from schemes and stones another more famous malifaux podcast
0: oh you heard it here first chops is cheating on us
2: yep (laughs) sorry guys and unfortunately unfortunately i've had bronchitis for the the last two weeks so I've just got my voice back what Saturday so yeah it's yeah fun times. you've been you've been one one sick dude it was yeah first it was me and then you know then my kid and you know so it's been it's been fun
0: yeah lots of lots of health issues on uh the three men front so that's the main reason why we didn't have an episode for two weeks that and Thanksgiving threw us off and all that jazz. Yeah, big,
1: bad set of circumstances. But we're back, uh, and we've been hobbying. All of us have we're been hobbying pretty strong. Uh, Paul, what do you oh been up Oh, my to?
0: God, the hobbying. Uh, that whole, like, Marvel core set, Uh, all my miniatures from that are painted. What? Plus MODOK, and right what? now I'm painting my measuring tools. What?
1: Paul, yep. you painted 11 miniatures? Yes. yes.
0: Yes. Amazing. I don't believe it. 11 miniatures, and now four uh, measuring tools. And, and I started on my first God tier model.
1: Goddamn. That's a lot of
0: painting, my man. That's, that's chops level painting.
1: It is. That's actually,
0: I don't know who I am or what's happened to me. It's actually
1: the same amount I've painted in the same time period. Uh, I might have, I mean, depending on when we're talking exactly to exactly, I might've painted a couple extra Baratheon or not Baratheon. Sorry. Um, Bolton's, um, but I also painted the entire Crisis Protocol miniatures line. I haven't painted all the terrain yet, but I've got all ten of the models painted. I've almost got Hulk completed now, um, and I've got a couple pieces of the terrain and a couple of light posts.
2: Very nice. Yeah, I
0: haven't I haven't dabbled with the with the light posts or anything like that. I still got to build them. Uh, that was actually one of the things I was going to do tonight while we recorded, but then I decided to throw
2: some paint on these uh, measuring tools. Well, I have I, I've got I've got Spider Man fully painted. Um, and then I am working on Captain Suckass right now.
1: You mean Captain America? You've been very happy with how he's been
0: turning out, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm happy Even with the color palette
2: I've chosen for him. Because so here's the thing, like, you know, so like we've we've talked about this game in the past. I've I've said I'm going to do this with my son, and my daughter has now joined in on that where she's wanted to do stuff. So my son has claimed Iron Man and Doc Ock to paint. My daughter has claimed Captain Marvel and Black Widow to paint. So I was left with X models to paint, and unfortunately that left me with painting Captain America. All right. As much as I hate him. Yeah. But I like the color palette that I've chosen for them.
0: The, the other thing, too, is that I know you're like, oh, I painted Spider-Man and Chops and I are going, hey, we finished the whole box. You're, like, legitimately painting, though. Like, Chops and I are doing contrast.
2: Well, you know, I mean. But
0: you're doing, like, legit painting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm doing, like, you know, standard, you know, traditional painting that we've all done for years before contrast came out. But I, I wouldn't say that contrast isn't real painting.
0: Well, no, but uh, there's definitely a significant difference because if I wasn't contrasting, I'd probably have one model done. Yeah,
2: I mean, to, instead to, of an entire box. So, so to to give people a little bit of a, a, a preview on some of these models, like the the sculpt on Spider-Man, the webbing for his suit is actually sculpted onto the model, mm-hmm. and so I prime the model black, and every square inside of the black webbing is where you know the red part of his suit each one of those squares was individually painted red starting at a Mephiston red and brought all the way up to a Wild Rider red you're a madman and that was and that was mixing several different you know Mephiston with Carnage red or clear red from Reaper all the way up to mixing that into Wild Rider so yeah it's very much like my old way of doing painting. Um, when I used to paint a lot back in the day and was up to a, a standard I really enjoyed. And I'm actually really proud of this Spider Man. I, I need to get my light box up and take some good pictures for the for for the Instagrams and stuff. But yeah, I'm actually really proud Again, of it. i mad
1: straight up mad man.
2: Yeah, that was a little that was a little of a pain in the butt. Like Cap Shield right now is being a little pain in the butt for me. Um, because you know, the, there's grooves in between each section of his shield where the three different colors are. And I keep overlapping even though I'm being as precise and detailed as I can be. So it's starting to piss me off.
1: It's, it's Yeah. It's, it's a little arduous. His, uh, his model, it he is. was, he was the captain America was actually for listeners who don't know I what I wanted to do was, uh, Paint every model in 45 minutes or less uh, and take pictures afterwards with all the paints that I use. because I knew this game would be attracting people who were new to the hobby and I wanted to make sure that they understand that the hobby portion of it was not as uh, daunting as they thought. I will actually be going back and repainting uh, another core set of models uh, and actually my Hulk model is not 100% contrast. I've been going back to using blended techniques where I'm using contrast as a base uh, and then you, overlaying traditional painting methods over the top but the core set was pure contrast so that I could paint them quickly and I will say the point that I was very 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 longly getting to is that Captain America was the only model where I had seconds left on the clock well him and Baron Zemo those two were definitely the most time-consuming Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm actually excited I to paint so much time on Baron Zemo.
2: I'm actually excited to paint him. I know a lot of people have wanted to stay away from him. Oh no, but he's awesome. Like,
1: his sculpt is so good.
2: Yeah, yeah. like he—he's he, not a character I—I I, I particularly care for in the Marvel lore. But like his sculpt and the way that with the with the bomber jacket and the the purple on it on—I I can't wait to like do some like dark purple transitions into light purple as, it, you know, as his suit goes up to his head. Like he's, I've actually excited about doing, I'm working on him. I'm, I can't wait to start painting him.
1: Yeah. His model is great. It was just the one that, that took me the longest with contrasts.
2: I I can see that. I could definitely see that. Cause he had, he had a good variety of colors. It's not like he's yeah.
0: crossbones where you're getting three colors. Yeah. Well, Black most
1: mo- most of them are three or four colors. Yep. Yeah. So that's our hobby progress, man. Good work, you guys. This is the I think as a group that's the most hobby progress we've ever had in a in a week or two week period. I think uh, so. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, guys, uh, what are we talking about tonight? Because there was another big game that got delivered to uh, Paul and I's b- doorstep. Not Crisis Protocol. Yeah. We are going to do an episode on Crisis Protocol, obviously, um, but not tonight. Tonight, what are we talking about? Tonight, we're talking
0: about Steam God Forge Tier from Steamforged Games.
1: All right. So to, to get us into God Tier, why don't we spend a moment, um, at least I feel like it's worth spending a moment talking about Steamforged Games, uh, which is the publisher of God Tier. Um, Paul, h- how did you discover Steamforged and how did you get into their games?
0: Uh, I like soccer and I heard that somebody was making a miniature game that involves soccer and stabbing. And yes, I and they, said, I'm in.
1: Yep, and longtime listeners will know all of us are fans of the guild ball mechanics. Uh even though mm-hmm. none of us are currently playing the game, we're all fans of the game and basically like rooting for the rooting for the game from the sidelines, even though we're not necessarily playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, how about you? How did you uh how did you discover Guildball? Did you play much Guild Ball? I guess we've never really talked about it that much.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I got I was up north in DC visiting some friends playing War Machine and a friend of mine was like, Hey, look at this other game that I've been enjoying and playing and he pulled out the Guild Ball season one rule book and he showed me the brewers. I was like, All right, Scots and Kilt playing soccer, cool, that sounds fun. And when I came back down here, I was like, "Well, is there a meta?" Talked to Paul. He was like, "Yeah, there is one. It's in this area." Went to the store and I saw a ton of pe- people playing, and found the less, the least soccery team I could find, and started playing Butchers.
1: All right. And so for me, uh, Guild Ball was actually my entry back into this hobby. I had been uh, a, co- a board game collector probably for. Five to seven years uh, leading up to the Gen Con where I saw a deal for a guild ball team and Paul convinced me um, that I, from halfway across the country, that I should definitely invest in a guild ball team. And he had been talking it up to me for months beforehand. And so I pulled the trigger uh, and I got myself a Mason's team uh, and I've been spending ludicrous amounts of money on plastic soldiers ever since. Um, so, and, and the reason this is important is to talk about the pedigree of Steamforged. And that is that even though right now they've got a bit of a black eye because they've had some distribution issues with some of their Kickstarters, they maybe bit off a bit more than they could chew as they were growing into themselves. This game to speak to their design pedigree, right? We shouldn't base it on the, on their like production woes, and look at it specifically for their design acumen. Um, because, you know, spoiler alert, this game doesn't suck. Uh, we're going to get there, um, but I, I think that's the way I want to talk about it with the reverence that this company deserves because their track record truly is not bad. Um, they've made a lot of good games, um, they've just had some distribution issues, uh, and I want to make sure that. The audience knows that we, you know, we're coming from a place of love when we talk about Steamforged and we're not going to, I don't think we're going to spend any time dwelling on the mistakes that they've made in the past.
2: Mm -mm. No, I don't think so.
1: Cool. So, Paul, let's talk about our Kickstarter experience because you and I both kickstarted this game. Um, how did you feel about the campaign as a whole? Um, and, and speaking strictly from the time the, the pledge opened to pledge close, not after the campaign and, and production, just the campaign itself.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked the campaign because it was simple and it was pretty straightforward. Um, my favorite thing about it was that it was just, hey, here's your two options to, to buy into. So you weren't necessarily sitting there having to decide between so many different options that it hurt your brain. Uh, and it also... Yeah,
1: it was just like, do this or do that. Right,
0: yeah. It was either get everything or kind of get everything. Um, the other the other nice thing about it was that it didn't feel like it was so dependent on stretch goals to get to awesome levels. Like it felt awesome from the beginning. If that makes yep.
1: sense. I mean, we did get some cool champs uh, through the stretch goal. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, absolutely. I, Chris and I were talking about that before uh, before we started the show, um, just in the sheer volume of stuff that I had in the picture when I, when I collected it all together. And, I mean, mm-hmm. when I opened it, I, <laughs> I totally forgot how much stuff was coming. Uh, And it was, and it was insane. I was just
2: like, holy shit, where am I going to put all this? Yeah, that was, that was a ton, a ton of stuff. And again, like we talked about, you know, before the show, like my first Kickstarter experience was, and my only Kickstarter experience really was um, the other side. And whereas like we were talking about, you know, a, a, one or two stretch goals being met in there didn't feel like it was that impactful because of the fact, like it was like one, maybe two models in a regimental battle game. Whereas like you get one or two models in God tier, it feels impactful because it is, you know, such yeah, a we low a bunch, model. We got, count like, game. I
1: think there were like five or six champs that unlocked uh, via the, the campaigns that we would, that we wouldn't have gotten in wave one without the campaign being as successful as it was. Well, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure that every nobody from either
0: of right. the starters was announced at the beginning of the campaign. If I because I know Morgan came on yeah. later. Yeah, so I mean that's at least four models. So did Finvar. Is that the yeah. big fat yep. blo- blobby guy?
1: No, Finvar is the elf elf ninja. Okay,
0: because the, the the blobby guy wasn't announced elf ninja. either.
1: No, and the blobby the blobby, blobby guy was actually the blobby yeah, so girl. one, one question. With. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry.
2: The the one question I've got for you guys is like so. This campaign was unique the fact that they actually had two kickstarters for it. Well, two pledge levels. Right. Well, no, 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 no. They had they had two different individual kickstarters for it because they had the the alpha Kickstarter, which came with different models than. The like the legit game Kickstarter. Oh, the 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 advanced... Well, the,
1: the first thing you're thinking of is the the early access and the EA kits weren't. Yeah, actually that like one. A that one. That's what I'm it talking about. Like, it was just like just limited molds and they put a call out for beta testers and they gave every basically everybody that got that has limited edition sculpts uh, of the right. the champs that they got for the EA.
2: Um, oh, okay. Okay. Limited, so that, that's all it was.
0: Limited edition metal sculpts that you could murder somebody with.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That. Yeah, that's what. Because I, I remember. Uh. You know. Yeah. I remember Jim got in on that one because he had a bunch of. You know the early sculpts, and I didn't realize that they were just they were just alternate sculpts. I didn't realize that. Yeah,
1: you're basically buying into
2: yeah, Alpha. All... Essentially, is what was happening, and gotcha. You
1: got yeah, you're being a a, a a paying playtester, uh, but again, m- with the benefit of having. Basically, just paying for the models and materials, right? Right, and, and the models are gorgeous. Yeah, they are. They're um, they're
2: beautiful sculpts. I mean, some of, some of the best sculpts out there right now. And the fact that they're they're the the game's going to come out resin, right? It's plastic. Yeah, it's a plastic. oh, it's a plastic. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's a
1: softer plastic. Yeah, It's board game plastic, um, but it's good though. Um, so, are you happy with the back, Paul? That's a question. Uh. Are you pleased with your purchase? Yes, uh,
0: uh, kind of, kind of over the moon. I think would be how I would describe it. Uh, because just yeah, me it, too. it's I... so much, right? There's so much to it, and and the models are nice, the boxes are nice. Every like the the boards that came in the starter sets are nicer than I thought they would be. I mean, I just feel like everything is so super shiny and and fantastic, and it you know if you if you follow Steamforge games at all, they're big on the Christmas morning test, right? So they want you to be oh, able this to game open the game and be able to play, and this game passes it so well, so well.
1: Yeah. The Christmas morning t- test is is passed one hundred percent with this game. So let's talk about that for a second because you hit on something that being the packaging and materials, and I want to talk like I want to sit in that for a second and talk about it because one of the things that has always bothered me about Guild Ball, and I'm I think I'm on the record saying this is that it's incredibly hard to get a new person into the game because their release model for that game has been wildly inconsistent. Yep. And somebody just getting into the game, it's very hard for them to just jump in because there's no consistency in the way that game was released. From the way that it started out to where it is right now, it's gone through so many iterations of how they release teams and single models, and it's just a mess. Yep. And what materials uh, they're released in. is... Oh yeah, yeah. Bad. They've it's changed. So they've
2: changed the materials like three Twice. times. Twice.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's terrible. Well, yeah. Oh, you're right. Because they've changed from metal to plastic, and then to resin, and then to a different kind of resin. So it's it's pretty crazy. But getting back on to this game, though, this game is not that. Uh, it has like I I would say turnkey brilliant for retail packaging. The standard starter boxes are your average size board game box, and all the expansions are a half. Like, they're, it's literally half size boxes. So, they, they engineered this game to fit perfectly into shelving that's in retail stores. And the game is super retail friendly because you either buy a starter pack, which has all of the gubbins you need, the rule book you need, the board, and then two champs. So, it's enough for you to play like an intro sort of game. Um, and then every expansion just comes with a champ and their followers.
0: Right. And at a, at a really good price point too.
1: Yes. Yeah. So the starters are 50 and the expansions are 30. Right. And
0: that's, that's four to five models plus their banner.
1: Plus their banner, plus the cards. And it's, I think it's a little bit rich for your average board gamer, but also, um, it's not, it's not so bad for your average mini gamer. Right. Uh, and additionally to that, uh, even your average board gamer, I think, upon playing it, could see the value and see what why the pricing model works. Um, and I, I think the pricing model is great. I'm actually looking forward to picking up a couple of the minis that I didn't get in the Kickstarter because I went for the standard pledge, oh. which was nine champions instead of 15. Uh, and I'm going to be buying two of the six that I'm missing right off the bat. I didn't realize you didn't do the big one. I did not. Well, I didn't do the big one because I have the early access kit. And the difference between the big pledge and the main pledge is those champions.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So you have them then. So I have I have them in metal. Um I just I don't want to carry the mixed mediums and also Rangosh could kill me if I got into a car accident. So I Dude,
0: that is That's m- the big that's I, the big uh, Ogre one, right? Yeah, that's the one yeah. that's the one that completely killed Jim's box. Yeah. Like he got, he got Jeez. loose one day when Jim was driving around and he just pinballed through everybody and tore it up. Like, <laughs> I can see that. That,
2: that. that fucker's huge, man. I mean, it's,
0: it's basically, if you're a war machine player, it it's, it's
2: equivalent to like the old school full metal, uh, bronze pack. That's, that's an actual, that's an actual de- de- perfect description yep. of it. Yep. I mean, that's exactly what it is.
1: I want the plastics um, for for Raith Marid and Rangosh specifically. So I pre-ordered those. Um, anyway, that so the the retail is good, the pricing model is good, the packaging is good. I think, and we're both very happy about it. So let's talk about the game in general. Um, so what? Okay, now is now I have to
0: character? I have to warn you, Kev. I have to warn you. I haven't had a chance to play it. Okay. So this is, have you read the so rulebook? I, I have read the rulebook, and actually, I have it right here in front of me and that's and that's one of the things i wanted to get into are we going to talk about the rulebook?
1: book yeah we'll talk about the rulebook. book what do you want okay. to talk about I,
0: it's it's so easy to read it's it's brilliant like it, like it breaks how, it, how how yeah it how 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 other gaming companies aren't aren't getting to this point with their rulebooks. books it's 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 beyond me like
1: Yeah. And and, and to dive into specifics, the the thing about this rule book does so, so elegantly is it starts you with the broad concepts and it just, it completely describes the broad concepts of the game before it gets into the minutia. And then it has a section on the minutia. And it's basically like literally called the big picture and zooming in (laughs) and zooming in. Right. So that, and, and this game is memed hard too. There's a lot of memes and stuff inside of the cards and humor in the cards. Um, So also it's, the language is very consistent in the rule book. Um, and when you finish reading the rule book, uh, which is not that many pages, I think it's like 20 something pages has a really good index. And most of the pages are like full bleed art. Like it's, there's not, it's not, it's an easy, quick read. I I think I read the rules the first time in 18 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, and I had a very, very good understanding of the way that the game worked and how to play the game. Um, so that's the thing. One is the game is simple. Uh, and the rule book does a very, very good job of teaching the reader how to play the game. Cause it's not just like, these are the rules. This is how you do this. This is how you do this. It's, it's, it literally walks you through how to play it in a very, very good way. It's, I, I
0: was shocked. I'll be honest with you. I was shocked at how clear and concise the rule book actually is. Um, I mean, you, you don't find, you don't find that kind of consistency in wording, most of the time, without a bulky rulebook. I mean, I mean, look at look at Guild Ball, which is fairly streamlined, but it's still a much larger rule set. War Machine, Malifaux, so much bigger rule books. And maybe that's un- maybe that's an unfair con- comparison because maybe this does feel more like a board game.
1: Ooh, I, I well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, it 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 looks like a board game, and it presents as a board game. It has board game mechanics, but this is this game feels more like a miniature war game than any board game before it. Um, but let's get into the game. First some people who don't know anything about God tier, uh, the overview how this game works. The the is it's a game that takes place over no more than five turns. Uh, there's literally no way for it to go more than five turns. Somebody will win on turn three, four, or five in every game. Hands down, there's no question. That's It's built into the way that the game works. So the game is... Uh, it, it, oh, man, it's kind of hard to explain, right? Because a turn is made up of two different distinct phases, a plot phase and a clash phase. Well, be- be- before uh, before George... you get
0: into that, I, I think it's important for people to understand that this game is kind of designed around the concept of a MOBA.
1: Okay, yeah, it is. So, mm-hmm. multiplayer online battle arena for people who don't know. Like games me. Games like, like Heroes of the Storm or League of Legends. Now, that's to say this game doesn't have a lot of concepts that MOBAs have. It doesn't have laning or lane assignments. Uh, it doesn't have uh, like specific upgrade systems and leveling systems mid-game the way that a MOBA does. But it does do things that MOBAs do in that... Champions have four specific roles, much like you have a laner or a carry or a jungler uh, in a MOBA. Uh, in this game, you have your slayers, guardians, maelstroms, um, and shapers. So, the, and, and each one of those is a very, very specific class. And we'll get into that. Um, but that is important to know is that you do have a champion, and the champion has mobs that are called followers. That are, that's another thing that's kind of like a MOBA. The mobs in this game, their followers aren't quite like mobs in a MOBA, but it's similar. Um, now, and they the, come the back after t- they die too, so you never they do. Run you out can them. recruit them. You yeah, that's a you, death isn't really a thing in this game. You can only be delayed. Uh, you don't really die because um, your followers can recruit. And your champion can only be knocked out, and then they can spend an action recovering, which is highly punitive when you play the game. Losing an an action out of your two that you get with a champ is very impactful. But uh, talking about the game itself, right, just how the, the game flow, you have a plot phase and a clash phase. Uh, and what you're trying to do in these two phases is affect a ladder off to the side of the board. And so there's a ladder with a token in it that marks the round. So it either has one, two, three, four, or five on it. And as you do things in the game, which we'll cover later, uh, that ladder moves back and forth like a seesaw. Like if I knock out a champion then I get it four steps toward my side or you, 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 know, vice versa. You knock out one of my champions, it goes. And there's things that are you know, one step per time or two steps per time. And basically at the end of a round, after everybody's activated out through the plot and clash phase, whoever's side of the map that little chit is on turns the chit over and gets that many victory points. It's one point in round two, two points in round two, three points in round three, two points in round four, and one point in round five. So that's for a total of nine, uh, and that means that somebody will score five points, which is the victory condition, in, on either turn three, four, or five, in every circumstance.
0: Yep, which is brilliant. That's one of my favorite yeah. things about the game, I'll be honest yep. with Yep, there's,
1: there's no ties. Someone will always win, uh, and they'll always win within five turns. Like, it's very, very smart the way they designed it, the way that they designed the scoring system for this game.
0: So now you're, you're never going to end up with the, the X-Wing phenomenon of just flying around trying to kill the other single ship.
1: Yep, exactly. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how you score those points. So we talked about knocking out an enemy champion. That's four steps on the ladder. And steps is the way that it, it basically talks about moving in a square toward your end. So if you knock out an enemy follower or a mob, you get one step. If you knock out a large enemy follower, which is there's two kinds of followers: followers on small bases, followers on large bases. You get two steps for a large base. If you make a specific action called the claim action, which only champions can do, uh, in the plot phase you get one step, and as a result of the claim action, you put a banner on the board. And if your board, if your banner is at the on the board at the end of the end phase, you get four steps. So the the and how this game works is the plot and execute. So during the plot phase, uh, oh, it's actually worth talking about the cards in the game, right? So mm-hmm. in the game, the followers have their own cards, the champ, the follower has its own card, the champion has its own card, and then the champion has a second uh, sort of ancillary card. And how these cards work is they have both a plot side and a clash side, and you can only activate abilities in a phase that are on that phase side. So when you're in the plot phase, you can only use the abilities that are on the plot part of your card. And then after you take those actions, you flip it to indicate that that model has activated and is showing what's go- what they're going to be doing in the next phase of the game, which is also brilliant, by the way.
0: Yep. yep.
1: Uh, and for the most part, things in the plot phase don't involve attacking. That's not always true because there are champions who break the rules. And that's part of the, the spice of this game. But in general, during the plot phase, you're moving around, manipulating models, pushing models out of the way, debuffing and, enemy models and buffing your own models, and planning your flags on the objective squares.
0: Just like Eddie Izzard.
1: <laughs> yeah, plant a flag. Um, now, in the clash phase, that's when you fight. And it's also worth noting that in the plot phase, this game is I go, you go, in that I move all my models in the plot phase. I activate all my models, and then you activate all your models. Uh, And then in the clash phase, it's alternating activation. So this is actually a lot like Kill Team. So if you've played Kill Team, you know that you move all your guys, your opponent moves all your guys, then you move into the the shooting phase and the melee phase. In this game, it's just plot and clash. Everybody moves during the plot phase, then you move all yours, and then the clash phase, I pick either a follower unit or a champ and activate them, and then you do the following, and we go back and forth. Uh, And this game is generally played three champs on three, so if you're keeping score, that's six activations per side, per per turn in the clash phase, because you'll have three champions and three sets of followers. That also keeps the game very quick. the fact that you have six activations
0: yep and and the other nice thing too going back to some of the packaging stuff is that when you buy a champion you get everything you need to play
1: them. That's correct. you just pop them out of the package these are pre-assembled miniatures. you just pop pack it, like uh, crack the package, put them on the table and play it's just that and they're easy. and
0: they're and they're in colored plastic based on their uh, their role, role. Yeah. yeah so so that and that's where we were talking earlier about the the Christmas Day test. It literally, you can be playing this game in about three minutes. It it probably takes longer to get the cellophane off than to actually start playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to read the rules, but again, it it's it, the, but the, the way the rules are laid out, you're playing
0: while you're learning while yeah, you're the, seeing them.
1: The the comment stance for sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about what you can do on a turn. So everybody during both the clash phase, the other thing that's great about this game is the consistency and that in the clash phase and in the, and in the, uh, the plot phase, you can do all the same things with the exception of the claim action. The claim action is the only one that you can only do during plot. And that is again, planting your flag on an objective hammer or an objective space because there are, this is an objective-based game. It's not a killing-based game. You get some points for killing, and you you know, you know do get four. It's a big swing when you kill a champion, but it's harder to kill a champion than you think it is. Um, and uh, it, it's also really about that last swing you get if you can keep your banners on the board through the clash phase. So the, the, thing, the reason I wanted to mention that is because there's five core abilities that every model can do. Uh, they can advance, and you can advance in either phase. Advancing is movement, Right. So you'll have your four stats on your card, which are your health, your armor, your dodge, and your movement. Uh, And so the cool thing also about this is that when you flip your card from plot to clash, your stats change. Right. Uh, So some models are faster in one phase than they are in another, which is amazing. It's another thing that's just so good, the design space that they've left for themselves. Um. So when you move, you move. That's advance. And you can do that, again, and anybody can do it in any phase. So minions and and champions can advance in either clash or plot, and you just are able to move the number of hexes. But I also want to take a second to talk about movement, because they've handled movement, I think, very elegantly in this game. Uh, And the way that movement works is that you don't look at your sum total of movement and then just move that space. Each tick of movement is sort of treat it as its own thing uh, and, and the way it's written is important It says when a model moves one hex you put that model into an adjacent empty hex when moving two or more hexes you just repeat moving into adjacent hem- empty hexes that many times it's important that they word it that way though because it prevents a lot of bullshit that could happen with less clear wording and it's it, it's it really best experienced. Uh, but when I tell you that that sentence, that whole thing about you move a hex, you put it into an empty adjacent hex, because that's important. You can't move into model into spaces that are occupied by any other models. Um, and it's just very important the way they wrote it, and it it bleeds into everything the way that that works.
0: Okay, give g- give me give me some more detail on why that that makes such a big difference.
1: Um. Okay. So. It has to factor in a couple other rules. One, uh, your followers cannot move into um, into into space into objective hexes, and flags can only be planted on objective hexes. So that means your your followers can't move onto the hexes where the objectives are. Only the champions can. Um, and then champions can break the movement rule by moving onto a banner and that crushes the opponent's banner and takes it off the battlefield. Okay. Uh, And the reason that it's important the way that moving works is that there are certain things, certain rules in the game where, uh, as you're moving around, your movement can be inhibited by certain models. Uh, and having this very clear wording makes it very easy to follow those rules that exist on cards for movement.
0: Okay, okay. So it gives you that chance to like look at them instead of having to worry about when you end your activation or right in well, the, middle the of Exactly, activation. because, because so you just because know, you know that look you, you're checking each step.
1: Each step, you're moving and, you're, and it literally says when moving two or more, repeat moving into adjacent empty hexes that many times. So there's that, right? Right. Uh, So that's one that's advanced. Oh, boy. Uh, Then there's also skill, which is the best thing about this game, in my opinion. Uh, So there are no basic attacks in this game. And that's, you know, sort of average for certain games like Malifaux. Like, there isn't, like, a basic attack action in Malifaux. But in lots of war games, there is. There's a basic. You make a shoot action. You roll against your ballistic skill, against whatever, whatever. In this game, that doesn't exist, There are not attacks or defenses or any of that. There are literally just skills. And in the game, you get two actions per activation. So one of them could be advanced, but one of them is skill. And skill is literally the things you have on your card. So you could have something that says, like, forward minions that Morgan can do. And that says within four hexes, move each cold blood, which is her follower, that is within that range up to two hexes. So that's an action she can take during the plot phase. Uh, she can also debuff enemy models during the plot phase. But what this does, this skill thing does, is that, it you, again, it's one of those things where it unifies the word, right? When you say mm-hmm. take a skill action, it is literally the white boxes on the front of your cards. And it makes it crystal clear what you're allowed to do during a game. Uh, And also, the thing, the reason that I love this so much, and the reason I think it's the best thing about the game, is that it allows the designers this just enormous design space. Um, It gives them so much freedom. Like, they're not working within the confines of a melee attack or a ranged attack, and then just having to factor in just opponent defenses, they can put all sorts of shit into the uh, the boxes for these moves. So it really allows them to separate these champions and make them all feel very different from each other.
2: Yeah. That's, that's actually a so that's, really, that's a really smart idea. Cause like, yeah, like you're saying, like you, you really, they, they've left that door wide open for so much to come through. We're just going, okay, we could build anything into this because it's just this action
1: it's just skill right right so the design space is massive like as as right. as like the design space is as big as magic the gathering right which is a game that's been going forever uh, mm-hmm. because of the way they've chosen to to word this like there's no attack it's just skill and some skills are attacks right and sometimes
0: they're moving models right like like placing models in different yeah, parts yeah. of the board. Yeah, and and, or...
1: and and that allows models sometimes to move twice. Because another thing you can't do in this game is you can never use the same action more than once. So, you can't advance twice. You can't use the same skill twice. So, if once you move, the only way you could move more is if you had a skill that allowed you to.
2: Okay, even that's a kind of a divergent from other systems as well because like Legion is similar to that, you can't take, you know, the same a- action twice except for movement yep
1: no here you can only move more than once if you have an ability that allows you to gain more movement which does exist okay i mean you're you're, you're kind of able
0: to move twice though because you can move in each uh, in each phase, phase. Right?
1: you can move once in, yeah you can move once in the clash phase and once in the plot phase but that's really only like in your two actions you can't repeat them in either phase So the next thing I want to talk about is the ultimate. So this is another thing where it it pulls from a MOBA. And if you've played a MOBA, you know that you have one ability that's on a much longer timer or once-per-game sort of deal. And in this, it's always once-per-game. And this is on that ancillary card I was talking about, the card that sits adjacent to your champion's card. That card has an ability they can only use once-per-game, and every one of them is momentous. So learning when to use those ultimate abilities is of the utmost importance. And so I can give you an example. So Grimgut uh, is a Maelstrom champion, and we'll talk about what all the roles are, but Maelstroms excel at killing enemy followers. Um, and his normal stat line is it's huge. Like he has a single attack that can effectively kill reliably any follower unit in, or any follower model in the game. But he can only kill one model per clash phase so it's not super efficient for him to be attacking i mean it's good because you get a you get two steps on the ladder if he does kill a follower but it's not that game breaking in, in in itself now his ultimate ability allows him to target three different followers in up to three different hexes in one attack and if you're keeping score, that means you can take six steps on the ladder if you live the dream and you have three models to target and you kill all three of them, which is a huge swing. It's a
2: huge swing, yeah.
1: And so that's the kind of impact that the ultimate abilities have.
2: So, in War Machine terms, it's your feet.
1: Yep. It's your feet. Exactly. Yep. So that's the ultimate. You also have claim. We talked about claim. Claim's easy. Claim can only be done in in the plot phase, and you plant your banner. Now, remember, you can only plant your banner in this phase, and it's pretty easy for your opponent to remove them. They only have to step on them. So what you need to do is plant your banner in a way that you can protect it. That's 90% of this game is setting your models up to protect your banners. Um, Only champions can take it, and it's just you plant a banner in an adjacent, empty objective hex done deal that's the whole thing um then there's also rally um and so uh rally is what you do after your champion gets knocked out so in this game uh your champions can get knocked out it happens if if you take wounds up to your wound value you're knocked out and the only action you can take is a claim action or is a rally and all rally does is remove all your wounds so you're basically the, – the penalization for being knocked out is your opponent gets four points on the ladder, which is a big deal, uh, and you lose an activation. It doesn't sound that punitive until you feel it. Uh, it's terrible because your champion activations are precious. Like what they can do is so much more powerful than the minions. So right. losing even one – Yeah, and you're
0: losing 33% of that if you have your, your – uh... Champion taken out.
1: Right. It's terrible. Um, And then the the only other action is the the follower only action, which is recruit. And so that means that if a follower unit, if you have a follower unit that's not at maximum strength, you can take the recruit action, and the recruit action allows you to bring one of those followers back next to your champ. Um, And that's all the actions in the game. So everything is in those five actions, advance, skill, or six. Advance, skill, ultimate, claim, rally, and recruit. That's it. It's all the stuff, but all the flavor again is in the cards because again, every one of these abilities or every one of these models is so different in their plot phase versus their clash phase. So now let's talk about combat a little bit because how it works, it's cool because it's different between minions and and followers, or uh, sorry, followers and champions. And so how combat works is you look at your card and your, your attacks always have a skull icon because all the different ability types on the skills, there's an icon that lets you know what they are. Like, they'll let you know if it's something that affects friendly, if it affects enemy, if it affects... All Like an aura, if it affects a certain distance away, it lets you know all those things just by looking at the iconography. Uh, But things that target enemy champions or followers are always skulls, and that's how you know if it's an attack. And they have three columns, uh, and the columns are how far away it can go, uh, how many dice you roll to hit how many dice you roll uh, to, to wound your opponent, basically. And so the way it works is range is easy. It's the number of squares away. Accuracy, the next one, is the number of dice you roll to hit your opponent. So what you do is you pick up god tier dice, god tier dice, two blank sides, three, one success, one, two success. All right?
0: Basically a crit. Um,
1: yeah, a crit. Counts for two. And so, how it works is the first thing you do is you roll for your accuracy. So, if your accuracy is five, you pick up five dice, roll them, and then you compare it to your opponent's dodge. So, if you have more symbols than, than, if you have equal to or more than their dodge value, you hit them. End of the story. That's it. Easy. Uh, Easy, Super easy. Yep, super easy. And there are lots of abilities, you guys, that don't do damage. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because in this game, there are generally not free debuffs, all buffing is free. But you have to hit models with debuffs. So you roll the dice to find out whether or not your debuff goes off. And they don't do damage because they'll, they'll have like a, just a, like a dash in the damage column. And so if you right. hit someone, then you look to see if there's a damage column. If there's a damage column, it's basically the same routine. It gives you a number. That's how many dice you pick up and you roll them. And this time you're comparing it to your opponent's defense stat or their shield stat. And every value in excess of their shield is a wound. Done deal. That's it. That's all of combat. Super simple. Um, but easy peasy. It, the fl- yeah easy peasy. But the flavor again comes in how this is implemented. So I'll talk about Half Tusk. Half Tusk is a Guardian champion. He's really good at sitting and soaking damage and then counter punching. And he's allowed to break some of the rules of the game because what he can do is he can take one action, let's say to heal himself two wounds because that's something he has on both sides of his card. But then he has abilities called One Punch and Two Punch. And you could always choose to use Two Punch instead of One Punch. But the thing about One Punch is its hit effect, which means if you hit, not even if you damage, if you succeed on the hit roll, you get to take Two Punch for free. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. So so he can heal and then one, two punch. And that's how this game works. Every model, almost every one of the models, breaks the fundamental rule of the game somehow like and Nia right. the as a shaper champion and shapers are really good at manipulating the battlefield she can turn her minions into <laughs> objective spaces to make it easier for her to plant banners um, oh, so nice. like yeah every single model just adds so much flavor to the game uh, and then the last thing we need to talk about before we can just get into the thoughts on the game in general uh, is the the scenarios so the book, just, just, you know, right off the bat, comes with six, seven of them, uh, um, which is great, right? Or no, it's six, six scenarios, and every one of them plays completely different than the other. Even though this game is can just, I, can, about I just can I just can I just comment real quick, Kev? Yeah, yeah. There was a
0: there was a major distinction between your opinion of seven and six. You were excited about seven, yep. and then you're like, oh, it's six.
1: Yeah. I don't. Is I don't there, know why I made such a big. I think it was because I was upset at myself for miscounting.
0: Okay. Okay. I was because that, that was shocking to me. I'm like, it's just one different. Right.
2: Yeah. I, no, was, just,
1: I was. just. I was just like, oh, I can't count.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's yeah. That's hugely different than that. There's something lacking in the game. I mean, six okay. scenarios
1: is great, right? In, in a core rulebook, I mean, it, it's great. Now, the thing about this is, and we haven't talked much about how, how it works, but so the objective spaces get played out in specific areas and, and those, obje- those help the way the game flows. So life, as an example, you start with four objective spaces on the table uh, and then every turn, the person who loses, their, loses the turn rolls a dice and they add whatever their result is plus two more, obje- more objective spaces. So you can get up to four new objective spaces per turn, which makes that end phase, like, really, really hard to deal with. Because it's a lot easier to plant your banners in turn mm-hmm. four and five because they can be so spread apart from each other. And so it can be it hard to... You,
0: it helps you swing it to your advantage if you are losing
1: that's correct but then there's death and in death you start with 11 on the board or sorry 10 on the board and you lose two every single turn Mm -hmm. so the last turn you only have two and that and that that basically means that at the beginning of the game it starts that you're mad rushing for the objectives but uh if you again it's the person who loses the turn gets to remove the objective hexes so if your opponent has overcommitted to one side you can just remove the objective hexes from the side of the board that they're on uh Uh, so that's then which then
0: since it makes it easier for you to win the next turn then they're taking them from yours
1: right
2: exactly that's an interesting game mode
1: Yeah. And then there's change. When change, you start with eight objective hexes. And this one, you don't add or remove. The person who lost the battle or the round rolls four dice. And then they get to move that many of the hexes onto empty adjacent hexes. So if they live the dream and they roll all crits, they move all eight god tiers. Right. (laughs)
0: which is which is just brilliant gameplay. It really is. That was one yeah. of the coolest things when it, when Jim and I were playing the the demos or the the early beta on it. I think there were only the 3 scenarios, but they they all felt surprisingly different even though it was, you know, fairly close because it was life and death and change were the 3 that were there. And life and death are pretty close to each other with the, you know, you're adding or taking away, but it really felt like an entirely different strategy going into it.
1: Right. But let's talk about my favorite game mode. We're not going to describe all of them, but the last one I want to talk about is my favorite one, and it's the only one I've played more than once. And it's knowledge. So knowledge is amazing. There are eight objective spaces in knowledge, and they never move. They're in diagonals, equally separated across the board. The thing about how knowledge works is that we were talking about this battle ladder, right? And you have a token on the battle ladder that indicates whether or not you're first player or second player. And it starts at the back end of one ladder or the other. But in this game, your tokens actually start closer, which means that you're, you can't swing as hard, right? Because you can't bring the token further than your... To- than, you can't bring the, the, the round token further than your Warband's token, And in knowledge, when you win a round, you move your token closer to the middle, the number of spaces that you just won. So if you win turn three, your marker goes three more toward the middle, which means at that point, if you kill a champ, you're not going to be getting points for doing anything else. You're not going to be getting steps for anything else, and you have to be super careful about how your time it basically makes the game this like timing nightmare because you have to always optimize when you're actually killing models because you don't want to kill models when you're not getting stuff for it i mean unless you're trying to deny your opponent right but again it it just it changes the seesaw like this the, the actual seesaw itself gets shorter on your side as you do better um which makes mm-hmm. in turn you have to perform better as a player to hold on to your lead it's just brilliant i i think if if i had a choice like this is like the the guild ball scenario for me i would just play knowledge all the time
0: yeah i i mean it's just it's just fascinating just looking at it and they give you they give you
1: a map um of how to place the the yeah of where
0: to place because the the you know so you're not randomly selecting where these objective markers go uh they're starting in the same place so when you know you're playing knowledge you know where they're going in
1: Yep. All right. So now I want to – and and you guys aren't going to have a ton of feedback here, but I want to talk about how it feels to play this game. Uh, I hope I've conveyed that a little bit, you know, in between, like, describing some of the mechanics of the game. But this game feels like some amalgamation of a true miniatures war game with measuring tapes and all that and chess. Mm -hmm. Uh. The, You're right.
0: It does feel more like chess than in your average war game.
1: Yeah. But, but also it doesn't feel like a board game. Like I, so I played with my buddy Howard and his comment after the game, I was like, so how'd you like this? He's like, well, it's not a fucking board game. Yeah. Like it literally, it, it does not feel like a board game. Like Shade Spire feels like a board game. Aristea feels like a board game. Wildlands feels like a board game. This game, really feels like a minis game. And I think yes. that that's the highest praise I can give it because it has the look and feel and the appeal of a board game. Like you can get board gamers into this game and they can feel like they're playing your super in-depth minis game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the deepness is certainly there in this game and it's obvious that it's there. Like, yep. there is no oh, yeah. question about the, the depth that this game carries.
1: Right. And and so the thing we haven't even talked about is that the champion types, right? The four of them. So there's Slayers, Guardians, Maelstroms, and Shapers. Slayers, so we talked about those things that give you, like, steps, right? Like, you kill a champion, you get four steps. Well, if a Slayer kills a champion, you get five. And every type of champion... And they also slayers excel at killing champions, so they're better right. at right whatever it they're and, getting
0: points for. They're good at
1: yeah, right. So they're good. They're better at than all the other models doing the thing they get the bonus for. Uh, Guardians are for specifically guarding objectives. They are super good. Either they're follow like half tusk. We talked about half tusk. He can sit on an objective space and clog it up, and his followers can. They're like they're they're called Froglodytes and they can like. they can tongue lash banners off of objective spaces. So half tusk is good at claw. And also they can sit on objective spaces. Yeah. And they're the only minions that I've come across so far that can sit on objective spaces. So you can use them to make it incredibly hard for your opponent to to place banners while your guy can sit there and just punch dudes in the face that come up near him. Yeah. So, and, and that's an example of what a guardian does and guardians get, uh, extra points for having banners at the in the instep instead of four points they get five uh, shapers get two points for planning a banner instead of three and we talked about Nia already who can place additional objective X's which is just dumb uh, right. so it makes it easy for her to make those claim actions right uh, and your your, nails- your
0: shapers your shapers are kind of your control models they're controlling the board and and things that are like because because, like, Wraith Marid, or, or however you say his name, he's, he's like, exceptional at, at moving his own guys or and the opponent guys around the table.
1: Yeah, he's really good at displacing other models. Uh, like, mm-hmm. his ultimate, he basically splashes onto a space and moves everything adjacent to it, which is awful. Like, in this game where positioning is, like, key and everything, being able to, to move your opponent out of position is incredibly powerful. Maelstrom's, he's my favorite. Yeah, he's real good. Maelstroms are good at killing enemy followers, and they get an extra point for it. Um, and, so, and that's what they do, right? Uh, that's, what, that's all four of them. Now, the cool thing is that, the, as we talked about, shapers are good at being controlly. Maelstroms are good at killing followers. Guardians are good at guarding objectives. Uh, slayers are good at killing other champions. But inside of that, they're all wildly different. Like, yep. I talked to, I talked about Grimgut a little bit, and Grimgut, while he can kill an enemy follower per turn, it's his minions that can really chew through min- through followers. And he has one of the beefiest stat lines in the game for his attacks, but he can only target followers. He can't target champions because he's only interested in eating, and champions are too big for him to eat. <laughs> So he can only target minions.
2: I like that. that that's, that's, that's cool, like, fluff and lore building into your game right. rules. I, and, like and another,
1: I like that. And yep. there's another one, the Guardian Champion, who uh, it, basically they intimidate other followers. They, they, you, he has a lot of them, so you can use them to corral your enemy's followers. And then when he makes an attack against followers, he gets bonus to hit for all the followers that are also adjacent to the followers you're attacking. Right. And both of those things that both Grimgut and uh, and that model, Blackjack, are both good at killing followers, but they're different in how they do it. And they play and feel very differently. And the cool thing about this game is at the beginning, you select three champions. So you could take all shapers if you wanted to or all slayers if you wanted to. Um, But it's all about like finding the combinations for the scenario that you're going to play and like learning how to synergize the different champions together
0: right you're not you're not going to be dealing with points cost you're going to be dealing much like guild ball uh you're going to be dealing a lot more with opportunity cost yeah who right? you bring? Like, yeah like you could bring all shapers and absolutely dominate the board but then if you know if your opponent's got a better balance list you might not be able to stop them from from taking all your guys out
1: an example of this is, too, is there, so there's a one champion that's really good at moving the, the debuffs and buffs around, the boons and banes, but they don't really generate boons and banes, so you need to bring a champion that can generate boons so that you can move them around with the other champ right like and it's mm-hmm. it like well which one's the best one to take is this efficient is it not efficient should I even be bringing this champion what is my opponent bringing because if he's going to be debuffing my models it might be really good for me to bring this model so that I can move his debuffs back onto his models um, and it, it's just, it, and, and that's just one decision right In your hiring um, right Jeez.
0: yeah not to mention not to mention which of those which person in that in that class is is going to fit how you want to play and what you want to want to accomplish?
1: Yeah, like what's your play style, right? Because there, I mean, there's there the even in the slayers as an example, you have your glass cannon slayers, which are like Morgan, uh, and then you mm-hmm. can also have your ranged step like stay back and snipe models. Uh, oh and God, that's, that freaking elf, Lorsane, right or Lorsain? Yeah, right. Uh, and they're both very good at killing champions, but they have a much different risk war- reward style uh, yep. than each other. So, that I mean, that's again, that's, uh, that's just how this game works, man. It's super cool. Oh, here's another cool one. Uh, remember, we we're talking about Guardians, right? There's a guy called Mornblade. Uh, and the cool thing about Mornblade, he only has one health. He's a champion, but when he dies, he only gives one step on the ladder instead of four right the, yeah, a little bit
2: of denial so it's like the undead yeah. dude yes yes okay that makes yep. sense
1: uh, uh and and like his followers have moves called like careful master which allows you to like move him into and out of position to do certain things with him and also his models excel at resurrecting themselves
2: uh, uh, makes sense
1: yep so he's very good at denial like you said paul Um, and that's a different way to play that blue guardian class
0: yep which is great like and that's just it so you have such a huge future for for what you can do within their structure of this
1: game oh man this they could if this game takes off they could support it forever like in perpetuity um as long as they are careful about how they balance champs and maybe they do things like the way that card games do, you know, seasons and they cycle champs in and out of the game to, you know, limit the the sort of like brokenness that you can get in a bigger game design, they, they can really just keep going because there is unlimited potential for them to design champions. The design space is just wide open.
2: Yep. So looking at this game compared to, you know, their other minis game Of Gilball. Gilball is a very hyper-competitive game. Is this game designed to be similar in that facet of it being a competitive game? Or is this going to be more casual?
1: I I think you can play it either way. I think you can play this game casually. But if you were paying attention, there is a to-hit role and a to-wound role in this game, but not a to-save role. Uh, And it's important that that distinction is made. And it's very obvious to me, having played four games now, and thinking a lot about the game that it was designed to play on a chess clock.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Because
1: it's very easy to know when it's your impetus to make an action versus your opponent's. And, and because that, it makes the game very easy to play on a death clock. There is n- like no ambiguity about whose turn it is to be deciding something in this game. Because only you roll dice during your gotcha. activations and only your opponent does during theirs.
0: Um, I mean, and 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 it's Steamforged, and we know what Steamforged
2: right. I mean, they they make they make competitive games. That's their mindset. Like so, I mean, I I would I Uh I know with the from so I mean, I didn't jump into the Kickstarter, and you know, once I found out what the game mechanics of this game was, I I kind of checked out uh, on it uh, because I'm not big into that kind of MOBA style. Um, but I did one thing that intrigued me from when they announced God Tier at, at, at SteamCon was like the whole kind of you know from a tournament aspect they're they're going to build and design this uh, where you can like your your champions can level up between your rounds. Um, you know that that kind of intrigued me on how they're going. But so I know the Kickstarter though was more focused on you the do core rules. You right. do
1: get the the campaign
2: rules. Oh, so they the so they did come out with it.
1: Uh huh. Yep. It, it came with the Kickstarter, the campaign pack. Okay, because I out. know I you know, know they initially they were like we're not really
2: focusing on that right now. We want the the core rules to come out first. So I I just no, wasn't they, sure if that came out yet or not.
1: They they flip gears and the and the first edition of the campaign rules are out and they're fucking cool. Um. But yeah. You and and everybody who everybody who backed the game got it.
0: Okay cool so, yep that was another one of those surprising things
2: that i was like what's this yeah I, like, that, oh that,
1: shit this is the campaign system yeah, that, yeah that's something basically.
2: i i know i would be interested in seeing a little bit more on um yeah it's neat but i mean i, I yeah yeah i i think this game has a bit
0: more space for uh casual and narrative play than Guild Wars oh, yeah. does
1: oh yeah especially because it's like play with one champ Play with two champs. Play with three, which is the normal game is three on three. Right. But the game really doesn't force you into one one space or the other. Oh, what was I going to say? Um, a cool. I was going to talk about the death clock, which I already talked about. But the, the the I think the coolest thing about this game, though, is that you are able to just enjoy it at that casual level, and then you can really get hyper-competitive. And I'm really curious to see what the meta does uh, and how people break the game and figure out, you know, uh, what models are good with each other. And, and, and another thing to talk about how this game was designed to be competitive is that it was in playtest alpha and beta before it was on Kickstarter and they never stopped. After the Kickstarter, the at the community for the game designed these models, like, or not designed, but like shaped how they went. They were constantly had a huge reliable set of playtesters, hundreds of playtest games, all the champions that are in the game have been thoroughly play tested and balanced. Um, so the game is in a state already where it can be quite competitive.
2: That's good to hear.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's, they've done some really good things with this. I I think, I think, I think there's only one uh, issue that I had with it and that's, and that and doesn't affect me, but, the early access people weren't given cards for the early access models.
1: Uh, you get cards that for was the champions, shitty. but not the followers. Womp womp.
0: Yeah, that's kind of shitty. Like, yeah. like you knew you knew how many people had that kit. You know what they ordered. Just send them the freaking
1: cards. Yeah, that does kind of suck. But they are available free to print online. So yep. you know. Yeah, there I is mean that. they are
0: there. It's kind of the opposite approach of Legion. They're like we already have them, so why should we make more?" But you know it would have been nice if just for those people to be like, "Hey, you did help us essentially like buy into the alpha testing yeah, um here's the retail you know, card here's everything
1: yeah, I agree that that would have been like a a good a good out boy move on Steamforge, and that is that I think yeah. if I, if there was anything they did wrong, that's the only thing because i I know yep. in terms of what they did right, this game is all right. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm calling it right now. This game is going to be in my top three games for the next however long it's supported.
0: Uh, I definitely think it's the most interesting new game in quite a while.
1: It, it, it in the space that this game occupies, which let's call it hex-based arena board games, so that Shade Spire, Aristea, Wildlands, God Tier, that space. It's the best. And it's not Absolutely. the best by a little bit. It is the best by a wide margin. It's not even close.
0: Yep. But I, 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 but I, and maybe that's spoilery, but I definitely think it's one of the better games that's come out this year.
1: Yep, agreed. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. That's Anybody who praise. hasn't looked at this game needs to give it another look. And this isn't me, like, this isn't Hyperbole Chop having played a game one time or not at all and just been hyped on the mechanics I know this game now at least a little bit, right? I think after a month or two, I may have a different settled opinion, but I honestly I can't see it changing that much. I, I really don't see my because it it just checks all my boxes. It's simple in its mechanics, but deep in its decision space and its design space. It plays quickly. You can literally get a game of this in in an hour, right. The other thing, too,
0: Kevin, is that now we kind of have this, uh, you know, we have the discord and we've been seeing people comment in the discord about the game.
1: And the same effect that we're talking about it right now.
0: Yeah, it's been consistently high praise for the game from people who are not necessarily normally into this type of
1: game. Literally no one that's played this game has disliked it.
0: Yeah, and there there've been people who were like I never would have thought I'd like this, but that game was great and I can't stop yep. thinking about it. Let me go play it again.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is it, it oh man, if Steam can just make this game happen, promote it properly, uh it it is it's so good. Like I I'm I'm already like whatever space is occupied at Adepticon where they're running a tournament, I'm playing in it. I don't care. Um I just want to play the game with other people and right. see how other people are playing the game. Um, and because the tournament wouldn't be that long, right? Four or five hours. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm i totally in. I, I want to play this game. I want to play. I want to show all my friends this game. i like, guys, look at this game. And I don't care if we have to draft my champions to play. Uh, and the reason that I'm buying two more is so that I can have two full games going side by side.
0: Hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's, uh... That's true, but I mean, I'm just just amazed, and I think the only thing, the only negative for this game as well, and this is kind of outside their control, is uh, the drop coinciding with Crisis Protocol, which, let's face it, is just an absolute monster in the market. Yeah, I mean, but also, Crisis
2: Protocol came, like, out of left field.
0: Oh, I know, that's what I mean. That's completely out of their control. Like, there's nothing, you know, you couldn't have been like, well, let's push it back a month.
1: And honestly, I, I think they, they both... For me, they occupy uh, a similar thing that I like, which is a game with you know easy-to-absorb rules but depth in its gameplay. Um, but they approach the, the space much different, right? One mm-hmm. is like a, a terrain-based spatial miniatures game with superheroes that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one is, is like everything I want in a minis game. Like god tier does everything i like about malifaux and but i i can easily play it with people who only like board games
0: right which is a which is a important thing i think anyway Mm -hmm. being able to cross that so so here's here's my other uh question i'm not sure oh wow we've been at this for a while um Chris, I'm I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts might be on the game after listening to Kevin and I talk about it and kind of mention some things that we really enjoy about it.
2: Well, I mean, you you guys have definitely softened my opinion on the game. And and again, my, my only thought process on it was coming from the fact of I don't like the mobile uh, you know, the MOBA genre um and, and basically, you know, from the games that I saw With you and Jim playing during the alpha, you know, it still had that feel. But again, I wasn't playing it. Hearing everything you guys said about it, it it has softened my my opinions on it. Obviously, you know, I I think I need to definitely get hands on and try it because the models are, are just beautiful
1: we could not even talk about that. They're so they're good.
2: they're they're just they're they're beautiful. There, there's this like think think of like you know these these typical fantasy archetype gothic kind of looking model or, or artwork that you see out there of, of ogres, dwarves, elves, undead, elemental creatures, everything. Like they're, they're just so picturesque, uh, so stylized. They're they're beautiful models. I almost bought into the game purely on that um but because yeah, i, I st- had i says i had such a negative experience with the other side kickstarter i i didn't do it because it was kickstarter um and also because of the fact that the moba uh now that you guys have your stuff i'm willing to try it i would like to try it uh i don't know where i'm gonna go from there
0: i'm looking forward to showing you the game i'm gonna be perfectly honest with you yeah i cannot wait
1: i, I think you put pl- yeah, I think you play the game and you buy a starter set and an extra champ right away. Like right right when you're done rolling dice. And that's just it. Um, like you
0: can you can you're at a point where you're not in a hundred percent. So you could literally pick up the starter and be like, all right, I want one other champion and spend, you know, what, right. sixty bucks and be in
2: and be set yep. and have options. Yep. I mean, looking yep. Get- looking at, you know, what models are out there, like I already have a mindset of like what I would want to grab uh just based up just based purely off aesthetics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would you would have to buy the dwarf.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he he's definitely the dwarf is one of them I always pick up dwarves no matter what game I'm playing. So he would definitely be one of those and he's uh he's really
1: cool because he's the only model that can claim in the clash phase
2: okay yeah i've used him before uh, he's pretty ridiculous yeah i mean so like i know i want i would want to grab him i know i would want to grab the elf uh just because of that ranged combined arms feel that i
0: like yeah she's really good too i mean they're all really good but she's really good she's been a pain in
2: my ass before yeah so i mean in the ogre the ogre's just freaking cool (laughs)
1: I would say if you started with those two, um, you'd be best off buying the, uh, cause you're basically, you're, you're talking about having right now, uh, a shape or a guardian and a slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could buy the starter set that comes with one of the other two. Um, so you get, um, one, one uh, again, uh, yellow, uh, and one blue, um, and, and be good to go.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, because the starter the starters have there's two starters and they each have uh, one, of, one each. of each essentially.
1: Yeah, it's so one of the starters is green red and the other is blue yellow.
2: Yeah, so I mean we'll I mean I know we've got you know crisis protocol going on right now, um so just one of these days I'll have to get you or Jim to to walk me through a game.
0: Well, Jim and I are gonna hopefully be playing a little bit this uh, coming week after after crisis protocol. So if you would stick around, uh, give it a give it a look again. Okay. Definitely will then.
1: Well, all right then. I think we are we are set for final thoughts on God Tier. Um, for me, it's just um, if you didn't, if you weren't thinking about giving this game a chance, do yourself a favor and give this game a chance.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I'm so excited. I can't wait to to jump in.
1: All right. I mean, Chris basically just gave yeah. His yep. final thoughts. yeah yep yep. So, <laughs> So. Who wants to take us out on the sponsor train? All of us, huh? I'll I'll do it. Uh <laughs> you do? go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, th- so first off, thank you to the patrons. Uh you guys are why we do this, honestly. Like uh it's the reason that we try to meet and stress out about getting recording done uh is because you guys are amazing. We love the support that you give us. So thank you. Uh, also, thank you to Static as a City for our very, very, very pulse-pounding soundtrack at the ends of our episode, beginning and end. Uh, also, if you want to find us on social media, we exist in all of the places as Three Men in a War Game. We we exist we exist on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places. So just find us at Three Men in a War Game. Also linked in the description is a Discord site. We are. Over a hundred members strong, the Discord server. Uh, so there is constantly conversation, and if you're not in the Discord now, you should be joining.
0: And and real quick, uh, speaking of Discord and patrons, uh, we wanted to give our our shout out to Owen and Shay for uh, supporting us and being like the first people that we're not directly already know in real life as our as our patrons, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Thank you yes, guys. Thank you very much. So that's, that's cool. That was a, that was a major step having, having patrons that are, are not, you know, people that we see and, and, and already previously know and maybe feel obligated to help us out. <laughs> um, so that's, that's awesome. That's a, that's a huge step. So thanks to those two guys for, for joining the crew and being awesome on, on discord and, and talkative and all that fun stuff. So, but yeah, so that, that, that sends us out. so, Thanks everybody for listening. Oh, real quick. Uh, I just, I just thought it would be interesting to, to let everybody know our crisis protocol plan. Mm -hmm. We're actually, we're actually going to be doing somewhat of a joint show with the guys from third floor wars. Uh, I think, I think we're going to have Ray from that. I don't think Craig's going to be joining in. Um, so it'll be the four of us and, uh, Ray will kind of be, be running the discussion. Uh, And the show will actually appear on both our channel and theirs. So it'll be fun. So that's it. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening.
1: Bye.
2: cuz in Pretty the comic
1: about the way my crossbones turned out. Yeah. But it's hard to see unless you're with it. Like it's hard to photograph it.
0: Yep. That's it. That's exactly how I feel about mine.
2: My Spider-Man's that way. Like you can't really tell like the light just washes out all the work that I did on it. Yeah. You need a light box. I have one. I just don't I don't have it set up and I need to get it set up.
1: I don't think my minis are good enough to put in a light box. Not mini, at least in My minis. mom my mom actually
2: bought it for me for Christmas, uh, the year Millie was born.
0: Man, I really thought you were gonna say, My mom thinks my models are good enough for a light box. No. <laughs> Which I guess kinda you did. <laughs> <laughs>